tonight. Welcome you again to our Bible study. We've been teaching on doctrine. We're going to go to part two as debating on doing the second, a second part on wisdom. We'll probably do it on another night, picking up as a second part of the one we did two weeks ago. We had Brother Serrano speak last Wednesday night, and so we didn't have doctrine class, and so we're picking it back up this week. We're going to go again to the biblical view of the Godhead. Now, I stress the biblical view of the Godhead because what I'm going to teach tonight is rooted in the Word of God. It's not my opinion. I will show you verse after verse after verse where it's straight from the Word of God, a biblical view of the Godhead. We should establish our knowledge of God from God's Word since it is the anointed Word of God. So uh, he probably knows what's best and so since he has all knowledge, he has all understanding, he has all wisdom, and he's the author of the book, then I think we should have a biblical view of the Godhead. I want to again show you this slide that I showed two weeks ago. Your knowledge of the oneness of God shouldn't be used to attempt to prove someone wrong. You don't, well, look, I'm right, you're wrong. That's not the right spirit at all. Your attitude should be, it should be used to enlighten and educate individuals about the truth of the oneness of God. The fact of the matter is, what you say, when you say to people, it should be totally entwined with humility. You should not come off as some arrogant know-it-all but you should just thank the Lord that he's given you understanding of his word. If you have a revelation of Jesus Christ, that's not man-given. It's not man-learned. It is God-given. God gives you the ability to see. You say, no, it's, you just read the book and it's there. If that's all it was to it, then what about the millions of people that read the book more than you? yet they do not see it. It has to be a God thing. I want to make sure you get that in your mind because when you're discussing people, you come off like some arrogant person, you know everything, you turn them off immediately. And that's not what I'm giving you today as bullets to shoot somebody with. That's not what that is. Okay? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God... And, everybody say and. And, and our Savior Jesus Christ. As I mentioned to you two weeks ago, because I found out some of you didn't even know that Trinitarians believed in one God. Some of you were all kind of all shocked at that whole deal. But I found that out by discussing the word of God with many of them because I would go to all these verses in the Old Testament showing one God, one God, one God and they just kept agreeing with me and kept agreeing with me and it's like wait a minute you don't believe this why are you agreeing with me but they believe you I put it up there and you can go study it for yourself but they believe in one God but they believe where we vary and where it's we don't agree with is they say it's three distinct persons and the quote-unquote one God that they're saying one God in the Old Testament is one in purpose and mission. 
But he's more than just one God in purpose and mission. He's one God altogether, not distinct people. That's what I'm going to show you tonight in the Word of God. The great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Not distinct persons, but the same person. Here we go. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Could somebody say amen for that? If any man defile the temple of God, temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now what is this talking about? When it says the temple of God, what is it talking about? Come on, somebody nice and loud. It's us. It's our bodies. It's our bodies. Our bodies is the temple of God. Everybody say the temple of God. He's saying, Paul is to the Corinthian church, your body is the temple of God. Keep that in mind. Then Peter said unto them, oh, hope this is all right. We haven't used this verse in a few days. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the what? But we're going to have a problem here. The gift of the Holy Ghost? Uh-oh. Distinct persons? Mm. And they were all filled with what? And began, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Does anybody have any problem with those verses there? They're clear, aren't they? They're nice and clear, aren't they? Well, to us it should be clear. But now look at this verse. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye and me and... Uh-oh. Now i got a problem here. <laughs> Something's wrong in the Bible. Now, if you look at your Bible and it's red letter, you're going to find out that this verse is all in red. You know why? Because Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says, I in you. Well, wait a minute, Peter, you messed up because you said we're going to receive the gift of that other distinct individual, the Holy Ghost. Now, something's wrong here. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but... Oh, my word. Now we're really messed up. But Christ liveth in me? Oh, wait a minute. Somebody's messed up. Because Peter said we're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that distinct person. Jesus said, I am going to be in you. And now here comes Paul in Galatians says, but Christ liveth in you. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now then, who in the world is in us? Who is in us? I'm confused. Some of you look like you really are confused. <laughs> that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love, Ephesians 3 and 17. Now some of you are going, I'm not really for sure if I believe you so far. Okay, here's another verse. And if, and if Christ be in you. But wait a minute, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Peter said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now here we are saying Christ is in you. Hmm. But the Spirit, Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead to dwell in you. Who calls the man Christ Jesus, that temple of the flesh that was laying inside of the tomb, to resurrect? Boy, nobody's wanting to answer it. Everybody is scared to death to answer in that house. You guys ever heard of the God of creation? The almighty God of heaven, the father of creation. Guess what? It's the spirit of that almighty God that came into there. The spirit of him who? The almighty God of heaven, the father of creation, comes in and raises up Christ Jesus. Everybody agree with that? Now we got a real problem. Now it's saying that, that spirit is the one that is dwelling in you. Now we got a verse that says the Holy Ghost is going to dwell in you. And Jesus said, I'm going to dwell in you. And the verse says, Christ is going to dwell in you. And now this verse said, God the Father dwells in you. Who in the world is in us, church? Oh my, this is terrible. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I'm getting real excited with this verses. If we believe that they were three distinct persons, we're going to have a problem. Because we got verses that says they're all in there. <laughs> but if we believe they're all just one, then this might make sense. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, Father in creation, Son in what? Redemption. And Holy Ghost in regeneration. But in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Him is Jesus. Him is Jesus. In him dwelt the Father. In him dwelt the old. Folks, you got to get your mind around this stuff. Get this. The bodily means physically. For in Jesus dwelt all of the fullness of the Godhead physically, folks. 
physically. When you looked at that physical body of Jesus Christ, you were looking at the almighty God of heaven. You were looking at who you're going to see on the throne in glory someday that's going to be judging you for your life, folks. The very same one. For in him, everybody say him. Say Jesus. Dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. Oh, man. Look at this. If there were three distinct persons in the Godhead, they would all have to be resident in the body of Jesus Christ. They would all, to make that verse right there true, and we know the word of God is true, then we know that this statement has to be true. They all have to be resident there if they are all in the body of Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Word, Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that one dwelting, dwelling among us? And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, man. Wow, this is exciting. I hope I can kind of maintain myself. I know I was getting a little dramatic there. There a little bit there. But I can't see how people can get their minds around there's three distinct persons. And it line up with scripture. I'm going to give you more. No man has seen the Father at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Or he has revealed him. That's what he's doing. He is revealing him in Jesus Christ, folks. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was. Everybody say, God was. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory, 1 Timothy 3, 16. Now then, let's take each one of those because every one of those commas are simply separating what we want to look at as the very noun and the verb in that sentence, God was. So now, Lynn, let's take each one and put them on the slide using the noun and the verb, God was. Ready? God was manifest in the flesh. Manifest means made visible. And how was God made manifest in the flesh? In Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that statement? So then when we're looking at the verse we just looked at and we said God was manifest in the flesh, we all agree that has to be Jesus Christ. So if that point is right, then we can build off of this point we know is true. Next one, God was justified in the spirit. Justify means shown to be right and God is perfect in all his ways. He's never wrong. He never makes a bad judgment. He cannot sin. God was justified in the spirit. Shown to be right in the spirit. I wish I could spend more time there, but I know I don't have all night. God was what? Seen of angels. God was 
preached unto the Gentiles. Now, who is this God? Jesus. Why? Why don't you go look at Acts chapter 10 and see who Peter preached? When you go and look and see exactly what the very, very essence of his message was, he just preached to them Jesus Christ. He tells them how that they crucified him and he came to redeem them and he was a sacrifice for them. Go look at the message Peter preached to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. And if I had time to read it, you'd say, hey, he's just preaching Jesus to them. Yeah, because God was preached unto the Gentiles. Not only in that portion of Scripture, but every one of the... That's who's been preached to us. God was preached to us, folks. <laughs> and you're a Gentile. Look at this. God was believed on in the world, and God was received up into glory. Now, I could take all these points and go through a long time, but it would take a long time for me to get through all of them. So I'm going to take one of them. We're taking the very last one. Because it'll be the quickest one us to do. How and when did all of this happen when we look at it said that God was received up into glory? And how did all of those things happen? They happened in Jesus Christ. God was manifest in flesh in Jesus Christ. Justified in the Spirit, how? In Jesus Christ. Everything in there, you can take out that God was, that's Jesus Christ right there. Jesus Christ was. <laughs> Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ was. You can use that. You say, well, okay, prove it to me. Thank you for asking, I will. And when he, everybody say Jesus. And when he, Jesus, had spoken these things while they beheld, he Jesus was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he, Jesus, was taken up in a cloud, received Jesus out of their sight. Now, God was received up into glory. Oh, really? Wait a minute. God was received up into glory? God was received up in glory? God was, he was? Oh, wait a minute. That can't happen though because according to that verse of scripture, that was Jesus. Because that was Jesus. They watch go up into heaven and ascend up into glory. That was Jesus. Now, that can't happen if there's three distinct persons. But it can happen if there's only one God and he's both what? The almighty God of heaven and the man Christ Jesus. If he's all in one, then hey, then God can ascend up into glory and be received up into glory and the verses fit perfectly together if you believe that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Now look at this. And while they look steadfastly toward heaven as he, who's the he? As Jesus went up. Now get this. We got, now we're going to have witnesses. It's always good to have witnesses. And it's also good to have witnesses with good character. Yeah. 
Okay? And these guys, I think, are going to be some guys with some pretty good character. All right? So it says, and he went up, Jesus. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These might be angels. What do you think? So now you've got them watching God go up into glory. And now you've got two angels standing by and they said this, which also said, these angels, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This, this who? This who? Man, now we've got both the word of man and humanity and the word of the angels of heaven both confirming that the one that is going up into this sky right now and up into glory is Jesus Christ. So that, honey, if God ascended up into glory and Jesus was the one that went up into glory, I just have to assume then Jesus must be God, the almighty God of heaven. Not two separate individuals. Folks, it wasn't the Son of God or God the Son that went up. It was the Almighty God of heaven that ascended up into heaven. Yes, somebody shout amen, folks. Which is taken up from you into heaven. Shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I'm telling you, folks. Oh, if you live to the rapture happens, I'm telling you who's coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back, folks. It's not going to be three horses, not three people. <laughs> it's going to be one. And his name is going to be Jesus. There's not going to be three thrones, distinct persons. You're not going to have to get to heaven and do your thing and say, yes, Father, yes, Son, and yes, Holy Ghost. All you're going to have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. And you're going to get it all with one shot because there's only going to be one on the throne, Jesus Christ. Church, you should be so thankful you have a knowledge and an understanding and more than that, a revelation of who Jesus is. He is the Almighty God in the flesh. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Pardon me while I get excited, but I talk, just like gentlemen I talked to the other day, I talk to people all the time and they go down this road and you try to explain it to them and they just simply cannot see it. Thank God for an understanding. But look at this. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to preach on that, but you can notice that's a little s meaning your human spirit, little t, which means truthful and honest. You've got to be honest with God, and you're going to worship the Lord with this thing right here in your spirit. That's what you're going to do. And I don't have time to preach that. That's what it is. But the key I want you to look at is God is a spirit. That's key to what I'm about to tell you because you've got to understand this part. God was without flesh and blood and invisible to man because God was a spirit. He is an all, he is a spirit. Now get this. God had to put on a robe of flesh to make himself visible to man. That flesh was the man called Jesus. That's what he was. He literally had to put on this coat. Now get this. He put on this coat because they could not see him, because he's a spirit. 
But listen, when I put on this coat, it does not change who is in the coat. What's in the coat still remains the same. It just gives a different appearance to the outside so you see something different. When the almighty God of heaven put on that robe of flesh, he was still the almighty God of heaven. He just put on a robe of flesh, folks. Hear me, when he was walking here on earth, that was the almighty God of heaven walking among humanity, folks, robed in this flesh called the man Christ Jesus. I mean, you're talking about the very God that was with Adam and Eve and started this whole thing. You're talking about the same God that was with Elijah, same God with Elisha and Jeremiah, all of them. The same God that was there as simply a spirit is now walking among humanity wrapped in this robe of flesh called the man Christ Jesus so that they can now see him. Because in the Old Testament, they couldn't see him unless he revealed himself in a bush <laughs> or a theophany. We're not going to get there. Or revealed himself in some form so they could see. They couldn't actually see the Spirit of God because you can't see spirits, folks. Now, I'm getting so excited here. Look at this. Who hath delivered us from the power of the darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have Redemption, come on, say it nice and loud. Come on, I can't hear you. Redemption through his blood, not just coming and wrapping himself in flesh, not even just going to the cross, but redemption had to be about blood, folks. Who is the image who is the image of the invisible God, a God they could not see, the firstborn of every creature, folks. Did everybody get that? The very image of the invisible God. Who? Jesus Christ. That image. Woo! Man, when they're looking at that one hanging on the cross, that's the almighty God there, folks. But get this, I've heard people say God died. God did not die. God cannot die. If God had died for three days, the devil would have destroyed the earth in three days. Because there would have been nobody to stop him. And for three days, he would have wiped out the earth. God never died. But the robe of flesh that housed God, called the man Christ Jesus, it died. Hear me. If God had died, then who in the world's going to come back and get that flesh out of that tomb on the third day? <laughs> if God's dead, nobody's going to raise up that flesh. But if God's alive, and why on that three days he goes down into hell and gets both the keys to death, hell and the grave, that's my God. And then he comes back as the victor and comes back in and raises up the man Christ Jesus. Man, this is beautiful. I hope you can get a revelation of, oh man, you can get a revelation of what we have in Christ Jesus. The power we have in God. Why? Can I just step on just a little further in my lesson? If that same spirit as we read a while ago came back and got inside of that flesh, raised it up and that flesh walked out of there, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. That's the reason why I'm rejoicing about knowing it's God that was in 
Jesus because that means it's God that's in me. Me. It's not some one-third of some trinity. No, it is the almighty God of heaven dwelling inside of me. Whom shall I fear, folks? Why should I be afraid? Greater is he who, the almighty God of heaven, in me than he that is in the world. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the revelation. Oh, I've got a lots to teach, but I'm getting too excited. I'm sorry about that. Oh, my word. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them. There you go. Blinded the eyes of them which believe not. Who has? The God of this world. That's exactly it, Bishop. That wicked devil. Why? He lost round one because he thought he had it when he got That man, Christ Jesus, crucified and killed and put inside the tomb. He thought he won. It didn't work. So now he's got to go plan B. Plan B is what? Now he's got to try to blind them and deceive them. And that's the reason why Jesus said, you know what? You better be careful that no man deceive you because that's going to be his next thing on the agenda when he finds out, I'm not going to (laughs) die. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. He knew. Devil did not know he was going to the tomb and getting back up. He thought it was all over. But Jesus knew it's coming back out. So he was able, you better watch out. Look at it. You find it in Matthew 24. He'll say, hey, you be careful that you're not deceived. And that's what's going on. we got tons of people reading the scripture but not seeing the truth. Reading scripture but not seeing the truth. Why? Because the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel. Gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. Of who? Christ. Who is the, who is what is the image of God? Christ, the image of God should shine unto, what's it saying? Lest the revelation of who Jesus really was be revealed unto them. That's what it's saying. It's saying, look, that the glorious, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. What it's saying is, folks, they're reading the book, but they're not understanding who Jesus is. They look at him as a second person of Trinity or God the Son. But he said it's the, it's the God of this world that has blinded their eyes that they cannot see. This is not just some second person of a Trinity. Folks, this is the almighty God of heaven, Jesus Christ. And he's not just a second person. He's the very image of God that should shine unto them, folks. Oh, I'm getting excited. Image means this, likeness, profile, representation. (laughs) You want to see the profile of God? Look at Jesus. I want to see the side profile of God. Look at Jesus. <laughs> you want to see the representation of God? Look at Jesus. He's That's where you're going to see him in Jesus Christ. Oh, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you up on the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it, 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 is the blood that making an atonement for the soul. 
It is the blood. You're saying, well, why in the world then did, did the almighty God of heaven come down from glory and wrap himself in flesh like this and go through all of this? There's a lots of reasons. One is so we can talk about it right now. Another thing is, folks, by doing that, he could relate to every one of us in our battles. Has any temptation taken you that is not common to man? Jesus Christ was humanity. He was tempted in all points like as... That's why he came. So when you're in the middle of your battle and you're saying, man, I'm tempted and I'm just, I made a mistake and I'm really struggling and they... You're talking to somebody who can relate to you because he got inside that flesh and felt everything that you're feeling yet without sin. He understood what you're going through when you're saying, I feel like I'm being rejected. Honey, they tried to kill him and push him off the thing and finally did kill him. When he was tired, he knows when you're tired. He knows when people are going to oppose you about the message. He felt that from them. Everything you're going to go through, he knows what you, oh my Lord. He's not some distant God. He is rejected. Relating to you through the man Christ Jesus. Woo! That makes me feel so good. So you're not talking to somebody that can't relate. If you ever tried to talk to somebody who don't have a clue of what you're saying, you talk to them and say, hey, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You was to talk to a wall. They can't even relate. They can't get their mind around anything you're saying to them. But when you talk to the almighty God of heaven, he knows exactly what you're going through. But you don't understand, I'm in the middle of a battle and a struggle with my family and everything. Really? You don't think Jesus might have went there? He can relate to that right there. (laughs) He can relate to that part right there. Well, my friends, man, they've cut me off now that I'm doing this thing. Really? Huh? Let's see, he was inside of the court there and and his number one guy standing outside the thing cussing because he doesn't want to say, he says he don't know anything to do with him. You don't think he knows everything you're going through, folks? He does. And because he does, he knows what we need to help us be successful and living for God. Thank God we have a hope in Christ Jesus and a help that comes from him. I'm going to be done in just a moment. I'm trying to get done here. Look at this. A spirit cannot bleed. Spirit cannot bleed. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. God is a spirit. A spirit cannot bleed. Thus God was required to take on a form that could bleed in order to shed innocent, everybody say innocent. Innocent blood for our sins. Go and look at what the requirement was for them to take one of those lambs and to crucify, I mean to slay it as an offering. It had to be without blemish. Perfect. And that's exactly what was going to be required if there was going to be an offering or a sacrifice for the atonement of sin. It had to be a perfect sacrifice without any mistakes. And the only one that could do that would be God wrapped in flesh. Only way. None of us could do it. It would have to be the almighty God putting on a robe of flesh, giving that robe of flesh the power to be victorious. That's the only way it could happen, folks. Look at this. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Just because we want to. Just because I'm a good person. Because I'm special. I was born in church. No. Brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. What are we doing? We're moving into the holiest of holies or into the very glory of God. Where in the Old Testament, if they didn't offer the bright blood sacrifice, they didn't wash at the labor, and they went in there, it's over with. Dead. You're dead. And what's he saying? He says, you can boldly go into that presence of the Almighty God. Why? Because of the blood of Oh, hallelujah. By a new and living way which he hath <laughs> Where? Through the veil. And what is that veil? The veil of the flesh of what? The man Christ Jesus. When the man Christ Jesus was on the cross and had his hands nailed, folks, and had his knee and his feet were nailed, folks, guess what? He goes, Eloi, Eloi, lame sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the minute he did that, he gave up the ghost. The minute that flesh sunk down, dead, the blood was running. The Bible says, in the temple, Inside of the temple, there is a huge veil that is separating the holiest from the holies of holies. Big old huge veil. And the Bible says that the veil in the temple rent from, and this is important, from top to bottom, from the glory of God moving down to humanity. Boom, what is it? It's the veil, the veil of flesh that was rent on the cross was now showing the veil that was in the temple is being ripped in half and watch out here comes my glory here comes my spirit here comes my anointing nobody can hold me in a room thank god for his word folks thank god for the holy ghost oh thank the lord for the holy ghost thank you god for the revelation of who you are oh hallelujah thank you jesus when that veil went, the Holy Ghost now was going to be available to all humanity. That was what was going on. Now get this. Jesus is not another God or a part of God, but he is the God of the Old Testament, robed in flesh. He is Jehovah who came in the flesh to bridge the gap between man and God that man's sins had created. They made this big gap. He put on flesh as a man, puts on a coat, folks. What? To bridge the gap. Why would God go to such an extent as to put himself in that temple of flesh? Why would God do that? Here's why. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament only rolled the sins ahead one year. That's all it did. One year, they have to do it another year, and they have to do it another year, they had to do it another year. It's just one year. And every one of them in the Old Testament was looking to the cross of Calvary. 
Every one of them and all they were doing was all looking to the cross of Calvary. And today, salvation, we're looking back at the cross of Calvary because everything revolves around what was done on the cross of Calvary. Our salvation, the price was paid. He's our redeemer. Every bit of it is what? Around the cross of Calvary. You can't do without the cross of Calvary. You've got to have the cross of Calvary. Woo! Because your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. Look at this. People and God and sin separates us from God. It's what happened back, I'm almost done. I have four or five more slides, I promise. But let me tell you, Adam and Eve messed up and all of a sudden, bam, gap between God and humanity. There was a big separation between the two. Why? Because this is now tainted with sin. And this is perfect and holy. And what was perfect and holy could not be in the same sweet communion as it was before with something that's tainted with disobedience. So now there's a separation that has happened to them in the scriptures. Now, now, no bridge reaches God except one. Folks, there's people that are sinful and God that is holy. Your good works won't bridge the gap. Right. Wait a minute, you understand, man. If I'll give enough money here and, and I'll pray this much and I'll do this and do that and I'll go do all these things and I go over to this country, far country, and I give my life and everything, all your good works ain't going to get the job done. Those are all good things, but it's not going to get the job done. Religion's not going to get done. Philosophy's not going to get it. Morality's not going to get it done. None of those things are going to get you done. Get it done. You can't think enough good thoughts <laughs> to bridge the gap between you and God and your humanity. Because even your thoughts are reproach to God. Because <laughs> His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But folks... Hebrews 10, as I wrap it up, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 through 10? It's still pretty early. Oh, my word, I haven't even done an hour yet. You guys are going to get gypped off if I don't do more. Oh, my word. If you paid for a one-hour concert and you only got 45 minutes, you'd be yelling and screaming, so I don't want you being upset at me. So... We're going to look at this verse again. I'll, I think I've got four slides here and then I'll be done here. Hope this is all right tonight. I'm, I'm hoping I'm indoctrinating some of you and getting it into your mind about the revelation of Jesus Christ, understanding who he is. Hebrews chapter 10, 4 through 10. Somebody want to read that while I drink some water? Go ahead, Brother Walker. And who is the body? Jesus. Read on. He didn't like seeing all of those animals killed and killed and killed and killed and killed. Thousands, millions of innocent lambs and bullocks and stuff. He was taking no pleasure in it, but it was a mandatory thing for there to be a blood sacrifice. 
But he wasn't going, man, just keep on killing them. That's what he's saying. I took no pleasure in this, but it had to be done, folks. Now, I want you to get your mind around this. Go ahead. Take no pleasure in the millions of animals that had to give their blood so there to be a blood sacrifice. And so I'm showing up on the scene. It's the almighty God of heaven wrapped inside of flesh that can bleed because I can't bleed so that this blood can be offered once from the body of this robe of flesh and take care of all of the sins both in the past and cover all the ones all the way up through 2018, 2019, until the Almighty God of Heaven comes. The power of the blood is still working today, and it can cover our sins today as much as it did for Peter and all of the apostles, folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, for it is not possible the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Nothing else would work. Nothing else would work, folks. So what was it all about? Reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ. It does not say that Christ was God the Son. It says God was in that robe of flesh called Christ. What? Reconciling the world unto God. God, wrapped in flesh, reconciling the world unto himself. Can you see it? It's beautiful, folks. The Bible backs it up verse after verse from Genesis to Revelation backs up the one that's the God. Woo! Not imputing their transgressors unto them and hath committed unto them the word of reconciliation. Woo! What's it all about? This is what it's all about. God has provided the only way. Each man must make a choice. Sinful man, holy God. What's bridging the gap? Christ Jesus and the cross of Calvary is the only thing that is going to bridge the gap from where you are in your lost state to the place of salvation in Christ Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! You know what I'm excited about? I don't just have the third person of the Trinity living inside of me helping me to live. I have both the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration, all of it. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, and all of that fullness of the Godhead is in me, babe. Whew. 
Get that straight. I don't have a one-third part of God. I have it all right here, baby. That's the reason why we can live a victorious life because we have all of God inside of us. Woo! You know what that's called? A biblical view of the Godhead. That's what you just got. And you know what a, view, a biblical view of the Godhead is? Jesus Christ is the almighty God. You need to stand to your feet, put your hands in the air, and thank God for the revelation of who he is. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight to understand, Lord, who you are, God. Not, oh, Lord, because of knowledge, God, but because, oh, Lord, of a revelation. You open in our eyes and given us understanding, Lord, of who you are, God. I am so thankful, Lord, that you came, wrapped yourself in flesh, oh, Lord, born Lord, oh God of humanity, Lord, that you might be truly the sacrifice, God, to purchase my salvation. I'm thankful, God, for the blood that covers me today, that covers my family, Lord, that covers this church, that covers every soul, God, that will call upon your name, God, for you are still alive, God. You are alive and alive forevermore, Lord. You are the almighty God, and Lord, you are able to give us power and anointing to work, live, God, victorious in you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God, and thank you for your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm excited about our doctrine classes we've been teaching, and, and, and I'll just tell you, I'm having the ushers go ahead, and they're going to be at the door, and you can go ahead and give your $100 uh, admission offering there as you go out for your doctrine class today. Because if you go to a seminary, that would cost you about $1,000 here. So I just gave you one. I'm, a, I'm giving it a discount today at $100 per person. Whew. I hope you value it more than 100 I hope you value it as a million dollars priceless. You can't put a price on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And folks, if we understand it, and God has given it to us, we need to share it with others. We need to share it with others. We don't fight with people. We simply begin to go to the book. Folks, I, there is nothing in this book that I have to shy away from when talking about the oneness of God. I have dealt with people, and they would say, well, no, that's, that's, that was written by this, and it just doesn't apply for us, and you'd have to understand that was misinterpreted. and done. I've been through all of that junk. I don't have to tell you this was misinterpreted, and that shouldn't have been there, and that person was, on, was drinking or something or whatever. I don't have to make up a bunch of junk. I can take it all. Bishop, I can take the whole book and prove there's one God because the whole book backs up what you believe. <laughs> What you believe? Hallelujah. Woo. That's the reason why I've been preaching. You need to what? Repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, and you need to receive what? That whole God. <laughs> the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've kept you way too long. Let